Hello, I'm Dr. Jonathan Barker, pastor here at Amazing Grace Baptist Church in Mount Airy, North Carolina. I would like to personally thank you for taking out time today to tune in to our preaching podcast. We hope that this message will be a great encouragement to your heart today. Amen. Philippians 3 verse number 12 says this. Paul says, Not as though I had already attained, either were already perfect, but I follow after if that I may apprehend that for which also I am apprehended of Christ Jesus. He goes on to say in verse 13, Brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended, but this one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forth unto those things which are before. He says, I press towards the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. Look what he said back in verse 13. But this one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forth unto those things which are before. I want to preach on this thought out of these verses with the help of the Lord for just a little while this morning. Project me. Project me. I want you to inventory you this morning and look into your life for just a little while this morning And let's see what we can learn. Father, I love you today. I thank you, Lord, for your blessings. Father, I thank you, Lord, for such a good crowd this Sunday morning. God, thank you for visitors. And, Lord, we've got several families going on vacation. And, Lord, some out sick. And, Father, I pray that you'd help them. Give them traveling graces. They're traveling. God, help those that's sick, God. Those that's at the hospital, I pray, Lord, that you'd help them. God, as we look into your word this morning, I pray, God, that we would get understanding from it, God. And, Father, Lord, may we leave today better and closer to you than when we came. God, will give you the praise. In Jesus' name we pray, amen and amen. You can be seated this morning. I really want to pick up, if you was here last Sunday morning, I, I dealt kindly along some of these same lines and then on this past Wednesday night we dealt with Romans chapter number six and then in Sunday school this morning I dealt with Romans six and seven. And I just really want to pick up along those same lines of on working on ourselves. Now, if we're really honest within ourselves, and I'll say more about this as we get into the message, but if we're real honest within ourselves, each and every one of us could do better than what we're doing right now. Each and every one of us could be closer to God than really what we are right now. So many times when we attend church, we hear the preacher preach, and man, as the preacher's preaching, immediately goes through our mind, I wish old sister Gertrude was here because she could really use that message right now. Or we think about Bertha better than you and we think, man, I wish she was here. She could really use that. We don't ever think about the men because, well, they're doing all right. But no, I'm big. And we think about, boy, if such and such was here, he could really use that. I don't want you to think about such and such today. I want you to think about you today. I want for a little while that you can, with the help of God, put blinders up and forget about who's on your right or to your left uh, and you can focus on yourself for just a little while. I love the book of Philippians. Man, it is a dynamite of a book. It is what is called a prison epistle when we study the Word of God. Paul is sitting in prison, 
probably chained to a guard whenever he writes the book of Philippians. The main theme throughout the book of Philippians, you'll find this word no less than 18 times is the word joy or rejoice. And it amazes me that Paul, sitting in a deep, dark prison cell, completely different than what ours is today, can write a book about being happy in the Lord and rejoicing in the Lord. When you come into the book of Philippians in chapter number one, you find the single mind. In chapter number two, you find the submissive mind. In chapter number three, you find the spiritual mind. And in chapter number four, you find a secure mind. Let's think about chapter 3 today by way of introduction. Paul in chapter number 3 is dealing with a spiritual mind. And can I say something to you today? Each and every one of us needs help with our mind. You say, preacher, do you need help with your mind? I need a lot of help with my mind. And if you're real honest within yourself, you need help with your mind also. Uh, Your mind will play tricks on you. Somebody say amen. Your mind will cause you to think that the preacher hates your guts and wants nothing to do with you. My mind will cause me to think that Bailey hates my guts and is going to whoop me after church today. My mind made me think that Miss Shea was mad at me this morning. I think everybody else's mind thought that too that was in Sunday school class when they saw the look on her face. We got to talking about dreams and I'm not going to go into all of it, but man, I talked about one and I'm sorry, Brother Matt, you're in trouble when you get home today. Our mind this morning, And and the book of Philippians is also dealing with our mind. And in chapter number three, he deals with a spiritual mind. Our mind to think on things of God and do the things of God, a spiritual mind. I thought about this. Watch this by way of introduction and I'll preach to you. In verses number one through 11 in chapter number three, Paul deals with his past. He deals with his past. Note this, what he says in verse number seven. But what things were gained to me, those I counted loss for Christ. Again in verse number 8. Yea, doubtless I count all things but loss for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ. He goes down farther in the verse and says, And do count them but done that I may win Christ. He deals with his past and he counts everything in the past but dung and a loss for the excellency of Christ. He goes on in verse number 12 through 16, and he deals with his present. In verse number 12 and through 16, he deals in verse 14, and he makes these two words, I press. He says, I count the past loss, and I am pressing in the present. In other words, he is saying this, in my mind I will forget what's behind me and I will press on what I can do in the present. He deals with his past, he deals with his present, but when you read verse number 17 through 21, he deals with his future. Note what he says in verse number 21 or verse number 20. For our conversation is in heaven from whence also we look 
for the Savior, uh, the Lord Jesus Christ. He goes on to say, who will change our vile body that it may be fashioned like unto his glorious body according to the working whereby he is able even to subdue all things uh, unto himself. You know what Paul is saying in a nutshell in chapter number three? He said, when I review my past, I count it but loss. He said, when I look at my present, I want to live it all for Christ and I want to press towards the mark of the high calling of Christ. He said when I look at my future, here is what I look at. I look at the Lord Jesus Christ who gave himself for me and because of that there is coming a day that he will change my vile body to be as he is and the day will come that we will be likened unto the Son of God when we get to heaven. Man, I don't know about you but that helps my mind this morning to know that Paul struggled with his mind to know that Paul struggled with the past but when he looked at the future it caused him in the present to focus on living for Christ let me show you three things this morning on project me project me Paul in this passage assesses his situation And when he assesses his situation, it causes him to adjust his sight. This causes Paul to come to a full stop and a fresh start. Can I say that to you again? When Paul assesses the situation and adjusts his sights, what did he say? He said he's looking on spiritual things. This world will leave us heartbroken. This world will cause us to lose our mind. Paul says, when I assess all of that, I adjust what I'm looking at. And when I do that, it causes me to come to a full stop and a fresh start. You know what we need sometimes in our life? We just need a fresh start. We just need to mark everything off that's happened in the past and I'm getting ahead of myself but I'm just going to go ahead and say it whether it's accomplishments or failures and we need a fresh start. Let me show you three things. Project me number one, Paul's personal reflection. Paul's personal reflection look with me in verse number 13. Brethren I count not myself to have apprehended Paul is not looking at no one else at this point. Paul is taking an assessment of himself. Paul's a personal reflection. Paul is speaking about his own self in this verse. And here's what he says. Brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended. Can I say this about his personal reflection? You see his humility and deduction. His humility, you know, humility is not something we know much about today. Now, you might as well say amen. Humility and his deduction. You know, everybody is, is today, uh, uh, you know, treat yourself to something good. You are good. You know, take care of you. And, and, and I'm all about taking care of me. As soon as service is over, praise God, I'm going to eat some more of them blueberry muffins back there in my office, and I'm going to go home, and, 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 and we're going to eat something at home. I don't know. It's probably going to be chicken and taters because I like chicken and taters if y'all haven't figured that out yet. But this world is all about you. It's all about me. 
We used to, for years when I worked in juvenile correctional facilities, we used to walk around and we'd sing this little song and I'll just give you the first of it. It said, it's all about me. Why can't you just see it's all about me? That is the mentality of our society today. But when we look at us and we look at him, it should humble us. His deduction, Paul, at this time in his life, has accomplished some major things in his life. Listen to what the Bible said. Let me just read you a couple of things right here. Listen to what the Bible said in verse number three. He says this, For we are the circumcision which worship God in the spirit and rejoice in Christ Jesus and have no confidence in the flesh. Now listen to what he says. Though I might also have confidence in the flesh... If any other man thinketh that he hath whereof he might trust in flesh, I more circumcise the eighth day of the stock of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews, as touching the law of Pharisee, concerning zeal, persecuting the church, touching the righteous which is in the law, blameless." Now, I don't have an hour to preach all of that, but in that day, Paul was the grand potentate, if you want to look at it that way. You know what he says? Here's what he says. When I look at myself, a personal reflection, I find myself in humility and deduction. What did the Bible say? The Bible said this in Proverbs 16, 18, Pride goeth before destruction and a haughty spirit before the fall. Paul's personal reflection, his humility and deduction, but watch this, his honesty and desire. His honesty, he said, what brethren I count not myself to have apprehended. He was just honest within himself. Paul is saying he is not where he wants to be when it comes to the service of God. Can I remind you something about Paul? He writes close to half the New Testament to us. Can I remind you something of Paul? Paul said this in the book of Acts chapter number 20, verse number 26, that he was free of all men's blood. He was innocent of all men's blood. You know what he's saying in that? He's saying this, that when he stands before God, no other man's blood is going to be required at his hands because everybody he came in contact with after he got saved, he told about the Lord Jesus Christ. I know of no greater Christian that ever walked the face of the earth besides the, better than the Apostle Paul. The Apostle Paul, matter of fact, I personally believe this when you study the Macedonia cry. We have the gospel in America today because of Paul's submission to that Macedonia cry and listening to what God had him to do. But Paul says this, when I assess myself, when I look at myself, the personal reflection of myself is this, I could do so much more for God. And I believe if we was all honest, project me this morning, if we was all honest within ourselves, we could do so much more. For him, number one, Paul's personal reflection, but number two, and here's where I really want to center in at for just a few minutes, Paul's present resolution. Look what he says, Brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended, but this one thing I do. Forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forth unto those things which are before. Paul's present resolution. How many made a New Year's resolution? Will you be honest with me? Would you raise your hand this morning? There's like three. 
probably the reason a lot didn't raise their hand right there is because you did and you've already failed at it. Now I got some amens and some head shakes and some grunts and some husbands hitting wives right then. So many times... That's what we do. You know, it's the new year. I'm going to read through my Bible in the new year. I'm going to go on a diet. I'm going to go on a diet the first of the year. I've made up my mind, okay? And y'all can write that down. I'm going on a diet first of the year, but until then. (laughs) (laughs) But Paul has a personal resolution that he makes right here. He said, when I view everything, when I review my past, and I look at where I'm at presently, There's a resolution that I'm going to make. What is Paul's resolution? I thought about this when you study the apostle of Paul's life. I personally think that Paul likes sports. And whenever you study his reading, he likens himself to a boxer one time. He likens himself um, to several different athletes. A runner in this passage, uh, he's dealing with a runner. On your mark, get set, go, and I'll deal with that in just a second. He's pressing forward. Uh, I believe that Paul liked athletes and he liked sports. He may have even been an athlete at some point in his life. I don't know. But when you think about any athlete, according for them to be successful... In their life, they have to make a plan to be successful. And then there has to be a resolution to stay to that. In Sunday school class this morning, we found that in a year from now, if we done everything the way that um, we played the scenario out in my class this morning, that I could race Caleb on a motocross track and I could beat him. Now, it's going to take a year for him to get out of shape and put on 100 pounds and not ride none, and it's going to take a year for me to get in shape and learn how to ride. It all goes back to what we set our mind to doing. Paul says, I'm making a resolution. Let me tell you what you need to do this morning. You need to make a resolution this morning that as you have assessed your situation, you have adjusted your sides, that you're going to come to a stop at where you're at and say it's time for a fresh start. Watch his personal resolution. Let me show it to you. Look at this right here in your Bible. There is his narrowed focus. There is his narrowed focus. Paul says this, but this 14 things I do. But these two things I do. No, Paul said this one thing. Paul has a narrowed focus. Paul gets his eyes off of everything else that is not pleasing to Christ. And he said, there's one thing that I want to do and I want to live my life pleasing to Christ. You know what C.H. Spurgeon said? He said, I'd rather say this one thing I do than these 40 things I dabble with. I thought about David. David said this in Psalms 27, 4. One thing have I desired of the Lord that will I seek after that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life. James said this in James 3, 1. My brethren, be not many masters knowing that we shall receive the greater condemnation. You know what he's saying? He's saying this. We cannot be many masters. We, we uh, had this discussion one time a couple years ago. 
Miss Stephanie and I was talking in the office one day, and um, we was talking about multitasking. Y'all have heard that terminology, haven't you? Multitasking. So you know what I've done, Brother Lord? I started studying multitasking. And you know what I found out? It is clinically proven that you cannot multitask successfully. One thing will suffer and not get done as good as the other. It's proven. I know, ladies, you can't stand that, but, I mean, we've been preached to for three years to trust the science. I'm sorry, that slipped out. Some of y'all will get that in a little while. I mean, trust the science, man. It's proven. Try it. Try to clean your house, wash your car, wash clothes, bathe the kids. You're not something is going to suffer. And can I say something to you today? Paul says, listen, as I assess myself, I realize I'm not where I want to be with the Lord. And he says, for me to get there, my present resolution is this. I'm going to narrow my focus down to one thing, and that is living my life pleasing to God. That does not, hear me and hear me well, that does not mean that you're never going to go back to work. That does not mean that you're going to sit in your house and read your Bible 24 hours a day, seven days a week, and that if you're a lady, you're going to let your hair grow out to your ankles and you're going to wear a dress that goes to your ankles and comes up to your nose and you're going to cover your head. That don't mean that a guy's going to let his beard grow out um, to his ankles. And if you want to, that's fine. I might let mine grow out that long this winter. But this is what it's saying, that in every aspect of our life, I'm going to focus on one thing. If I'm a businessman, I'm going to be a godly businessman. Man, if I'm a nurse, I'm going to be a godly nurse. If I'm a doctor, I'm going to be a godly doctor. If I'm a layman down at the labor yard, I'm going to be a godly layman. If I'm a father, I'll be a godly father. If I'm a mother, I'll be a godly mother. One thing have I desired, and that is that my life is pleasing to God. This one thing, this one thing, this one thing. There's his narrowed focus, but then watch this. There's his needful forgetfulness. There's his needful, you need to hear me right here, forgetfulness. He said, forgetting those things which are behind. Forget it. There's two things you need to forget today. Number one, you need to forget your past accomplishments. I get so tired of hearing this. Well, let me tell you what I used to do for the Lord. Let me tell you about how I used to teach Sunday school. I'm not interested in what you used to do for God. I'm interested in what you're going to do for God and what you're presently doing for God. You know what? We could sit back, Brother Robert, Brother Robert, and he come to the house yesterday, and 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 there was a big old bee's nest, and. Um, I, if I'd have thought about it, I wouldn't give this illustration because we was going to fix Scotty with that bee's nest whenever he trimmed that tree. But anyway, it's a, the Lord looked after you, man, on them, on them trees out there because they one of them big old nests. It looks like that and got them mad, them mad bees. I mean, they're mad bees coming out of that thing. 
He come over there and we got to talking about what all God has done over the past 15 years. Brother Robert was the only deacon here whenever I came. And, and he was the one that talked to me about taking the church. And, and we got to talking about all, everything God has done over the past 15 years, man. And we was, just a, we was just, man, shouting, praising God for what he has done. But if all we ever do is sit around and talk about what he's done, you know what we're going to do? We're going to die. We're going to die. You tell you what, if all we do is sit around and talk about what he has done, we'll never go into a new sanctuary. You know what we'll do? Before long, we'll start closing Sunday school classes off and turning air vents off like many churches are doing today in their churches. Yes, God has been good to us. Yes, God has safely brought us this far. Yes, last year we give almost $80,000 to World Missions. And I looked at it the other day and we're already up to 66000 this year and we're halfway through the year and we're praying God will let us give at least $100,000 to World Missions this year. But if we just sit back and said, well, we give 80000 last year and we done this last year and we done this last year. You know what would happen? Next year it would be less than that. And the next year it would be less than that and less than that. I'm not interested in living in yesterday. I'm not interested in everything that God done 40 years ago. It's a new day. It's a new generation. God's still God. God's not changed. Forget past accomplishments, man. It's time to do something today. It's time to build a church today. It's time to win souls today. It's time to add Sunday school classes today. Forget past accomplishments. Thank God for them. But we can't live there. So number one, you've got to forget past accomplishments. But number two, you've got to forget past failures. Forget it. So preacher, you don't know what I've done this week. Forget it. I'm, I'm not worried about it. So preacher, you don't know where I've been this week. Forget it. So preacher, you don't know what my lifestyle is. I'm not worried about it. Say, preacher, I'm wicked. I am too. I am too. Sin, sin. Somebody holler amen this morning. Sin is sin. I'm tired of people classifying sin as, oh, you know what, because they're a drunk and because I backbite and run my mouth means I'm a better person. No, you're as wicked as they are. Matter of fact, God said, well, I done went and jumped up a rabbit right here, so we'll just go ahead and run him a minute. God said these six things is God. Hey, yea, seven's an abomination. The thing he said was an abomination was he that soweth discord among the brethren. We want to classify our sins. Somebody holler amen to the preacher this way. We want, oh, well, you know what? I got my suit on. I'm sitting in church Sunday morning and, and oh, akuna matata, hallelujah. No, every one of us is wicked and vile and rotten and deserve to die and go to hell. That's the truth of the matter. We've all made mistakes in our past. We've all missed the mark in our past. But quit living in your past. Quit allowing the devil to destroy your present and what you can do in your future with your past. Yes, you may have messed up, but God saved you. God's forgiven you. Use that testimony to help somebody else and keep them from going down that road. He said, this is the thing. He said, I want a narrowed focus, but there's got to be a needed forgetfulness. You've got to forget some things. The devil will tell you you can't serve God. The devil will tell you that because of things you've done in your past that God will never use you. I preached it last Sunday. Moses was a murderer, and God used him to bring the children of Israel out of Egypt. Project me. You need a narrow focus. You need a... You need a, 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 a a needed forgetfulness. You got to forget some things, man. You got to forget some things. I was thinking, man, I, yesterday after we talked, 
I was thinking about how good the Lord was. And, and I rode up here and, and, and I just sat back and, and tried to envision in my mind before that Sunday school wing was there, the way that it looked. And, and then I tried to envision in my mind, and I'm telling you, you just can't, your mind does not picture what it's all going to be like when that new, new sanctuary is done. The way it's going to set in that parking we're working, trying to, hopefully this week I'm going to call some more people trying to get a, a picture rendered of what it will actually look like so the groundbreaking Sunday we can show that to you. And then I, I rode, I, <laughs> well, I'm just going to go ahead for a minute this morning. I rode back there to where the fellowship hall's at, and I thought, you know what, we may hit that grant. God may be good enough to give us that grant. And whenever he gives us that grant, we may be able to pay that building off a whole lot faster than what we thought we was going to be able to pay it off. And then we can come right back down here with another bulldozer. Now, now stay with me, okay? Don't fall out, okay? Just stay with me a minute. And we can take a bulldozer and run it through the fellowship hall. And we can clear all of that up. And we can go right, there, right back there with another building that looks just like that sanctuary and build a family life center right there because now we've got an acre and a half behind the church that God's blessed us with that we can add parking to and grade all of it out. And I got to think, man, boy, hadn't God been good? But we could sit back and we can look and say, well, we've done this, this, and this. I've missed the mark here, here, and here. And we could sit around and have a pity party all day. Or we could sit around and celebrate about the past accomplishments. Or we could forget every bit of it, readjust our sights, have a fresh start, and say, you know what? We're going into the month of August. It's going to be awesome. God's going to change our church. God's going to bring revival. God's going to let us build the greatest days could still be ahead. We got to forget some things to ever do that. We got to forget some. Number one, they, they, he had to have a narrow focus. He had a, a needed forgetfulness. But watch this. Paul's present resolution. There's a notable future. What did he say? He says this. Forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forth to those things which are before. Reaching forth. His, his notable future. You know what he says? He said, I've got my mind off of the things here and I've got them on the things there. He said, I've got my mind. He even takes us into that in verse number 20 and 21. He said, I've now turned my focus to the Lord. And I want you to hear me. The reason we do what we do is for him. It's not for us. It's not. I told Brother Robert yesterday, I said, I've prayed for years that God allows us to build a new sanctuary one day as a testimony of a church that still stands for what's right, is not wavered on sound doctrine down through the years, and a church that still supports world missions. I don't, I, hey, look, I'm not interested in building no building so we can say, look at our church. I'm interested in building a building so we can say, look at what God done. I'm interested in adding more room so more sinners can come in and get saved by the grace of God. It's not, th th look, this notable future. There's coming a day that we're all going to stand before God. There's coming a day when we're going to be in the presence of a holy God. That notable future. Can I say this? I want to hear him say, well done, thy good and faithful servant. These five crowns we can win in Revelation chapter number 19. Jesus comes back and the Bible said he had many crowns on his head. Many. Not one, he had many. Where would all those crowns come from? They come from us casting them back at his feet. 
I want to win one of those crowns, that crown of life, that crown of rejoicing, that incorruptible crown, that crown of righteousness, the crown of glory, all of those crowns that we have an opportunity to win to cast back at his feet. Number one, there's Paul's personal reflection. Number two, there's Paul's present resolution. Number three, I'm done. There's Paul's pressing reaction. See, Paul just didn't see all of this and do nothing. Paul reacted to it. Paul reacted to it. What did he say? He said, I press, verse 14. I press towards the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. Paul's pressing, Paul's pressing reaction. His pressing reaction. He said, when I take time, if you don't mind playing real softly, Miss Tanya, he said, when I take time to assess my life, I'm just putting it in a nutshell, he says, I can do so much more. And each and every one of us sitting in here today, I think that we could all agree we could do more. We could do more. So you know what Paul says? He says, I'm going to press. I'm going to press towards the mark of the prize, the high calling of God. It's that runner brought into the arena of that day. They run in a circle. They ran in a straight line. It was brought in at the end of the arena was the judge, and they would run towards that judge and of course, the first one there would win the prize. And you even see it in runners today. When they get near the ribbon, they press. They put everything in them. They're trying to get as far ahead as they can. They press towards the mark. It, it is showing that everything they got is in it. I know it's comical, but you can't help but to think about lightning. When he went across the finish line, you remember, don't you? He stuck his tongue out. And because he stuck his tongue out. Come on, y'all. Y'all have watched Lightning McQueen, haven't you? If you hadn't, go home and watch Cars, man, the first one. He sticks his tongue out. You with me now, Randy? He sticks his tongue out, and he wins the race. He wins the race, man. He's going on to the Piston Cup because of that. I mean, it's, I love Cars. It's great. But think about this. You know what he was doing? He's putting everything he had into it, man. He's putting everything he had into it. Paul said, I'm pressing. He said, I'm not just going to go, I'm just not going to assess everything and stop, but I'm going to start again. And when I start this time, I'm putting everything in it. I'm putting my whole life into it. Why? Why is Paul interested in that? Because he's interested in one statement. Well done, good and faithful servant. That's what Paul's interested in hearing from Christ one day. You know, when I stand before God, when I stand before Him, I, He is not going to recognize me for my accomplishments in a secular job. Now, hear me. I'm all for you accomplishing things in yourself. I'm all for you moving up. I'm, I, if you don't believe me, wait till the month of September. Our new podcast starts in the month of October, sending in on young adults. The month of September is dealing with leadership and job interviews and how to advance in your company. I'm all for it. But at the end of the day, when I stand before God, that's not what, that's not what he's going to say well done for. He's going to say well done for what I've done for him. 
I read this. It said that there was a mentally challenged boy wrote this. It said this, in this life, God places us in the oven. I thought, well, that's interesting. So I read on. In here, it is hot and it hurts. I thought, well, that's true. It goes on to say this, no one likes the oven, but one day the bell will ding. God will take us out of the oven and say, well done, thy good and faithful servant. You know what? God may have put us in the oven and it may seem hot right now. I'm going to tell you something. He's put us there for a reason. And if we're going to hear him say, well done, we must have done well. And the only way we're ever going to do well is, well, let's just stop a minute this morning. Let's slow everything down a minute this morning. Let's just reassess our life. What is life really about? I've said this. I've said this many times. I, I have a problem. When I start something, it's 110% or nothing. If, if, if I'm going to fish, it's 110%. If I'm going to hunt, it's 110%. I have a problem half-heartedly doing anything. What if, if, if I left the ministry today and, God, and you say, well, you don't even have a job. I wish you could walk one week in my shoes. I would love to work a 40-hour week sometimes and go home at the end of the day and forget about my job. What if I left today and went to work and made millions of dollars for my family and stood before God and that's not what God had for my life. What have I accomplished? What have I accomplished? I've not accomplished anything. Our focus has to be right this morning. What is that one thing? It's pleasing God. If that is, if that is a successful businessman, praise God, tied to your local church and thank God for it. And if you got any extra and you don't come here and want to give it here, we'll take it. We're needing some right now. So preach, what do you say? Let's just stop for a second. What is life truly about? It's about pleasing Christ. Paul says, Paul was a successful businessman. Study his life. He's a tent maker. It was a big thing in that day. He walked away from every bit of it for one thing. Look at the disciples. Those professional fishermen. Those like me. Those professional fishermen. They walked away from every bit of it for one thing. What was that? To please Christ. It's one thing to stop this morning and realize, as many have, I need a fresh start. It's another thing to start fresh. So here's what I invite you to do this morning, invitation. I invite you to find your place in an altar and forget the past, whatever it is, good or bad, and say, you know what, from today forward, it's Christ. From today forward, I'm giving it all to Him. From today forward, it's not my job, it's His job. And if the day comes that he says that I need to walk off of it to go somewhere else so I can spend more time with my family, so I can be more active in my church, just so I can have a better witness at a different place because that's what he wants me to do, then that's what I'm going to do. It's him. One thing. Project me. Just one thing. And that's him.